Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like the running of the bulls. It only hurts if you're not running fast enough. Today on the show, I have a friend of mine, Miha, with me, who is going to be talking all about failure. He is the fail coach. He is someone that has made big money and lost big money and then made big money again. We talk all about um, that trial and error of failure and um, all of the sort of self-talk that he had to go through to help him through those difficult times, as well as I ask a couple questions about, um, you know, helping people think about that insurmountable type of debt. A lot of us are dealing with debt. We're dealing with difficult uh, uh, setbacks, and uh, particularly some of us with like student loans and things like that. So we, we talk about how you can sort of get past those facts and figures and uh, shift your mindset uh, to be able to start to rebuild and get yourself to a place where you're you're getting to a better place. So listen to the interview. It's really great. He's really great at what he does. Uh, there'll be a link in the description to where you can find his stuff. And uh, without further ado, this is the interview with Miha and I about failure on dopamine. Let's go. Drums, Okay, everyone, welcome to the show. Today I have uh, a good friend of mine. We've been chatting on Facebook for quite a few months. Uh, he's really great at what he does, and he'll, he'll be able to explain that for himself. So I welcome Miha to the show. Well, hi, Christian. Yeah, it's so lovely to, uh, that we are finally doing this yes. uh, after all the chatting that we had so far um <laughs> but yeah i'm happy to be guest on your show and uh let, i hope uh, uh we'll make a good one yeah so this is going to be um pretty exciting because i know mihan talks about failure quite a bit um but i'll let you kind of describe a little bit of what your story is what it is that you do and what you talk about so tell us a little bit about um you know where you're from where you're going and uh, how that all rates relates to the uh the mental health conversation okay so um i'm from slovenia which is a very very small country in eastern europe just two million people uh for the past year and a half I'm living in Serbia, which is another fairly small, a little bit bigger, but still small Eastern European country. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, while you mentioned failure, so I talk about failure a lot, A, because I went through a lot of failure and I still am. Uh, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that failure stopped. Uh, what stopped was uh, my negative emotions connected with failure. Uh, but my obsession with failure led me to do a lot of research on it. And uh, fear of failure is the number one dream killer when it comes to entrepreneurs. And failure is the number one reason why entrepreneurs commit suicide. And of course, depression, anxiety, and so on. So, uh, And it's not the event of failure that happens. It's actually the negative emotions that happen after the event, uh, the unwanted event happened, right. and then mm -hmm. the negative self-talk. 
and now if I go back in time, I am I, not going to go too much into details, but feel free to stop me and ask me for any details where you will see fit. Um, so before I was 30 years old, well, now I'm 40. So before I was 30, I created four, five companies and all of them together. Well, not, not the companies, but my personal network was around 15 million US. And it was money in the bank, shares, uh, shares in my companies, real estate, like a mix of different things. Mm-hmm. But because I was doing a lot of stupid decisions, I don't know how to say it any differently, mistakes <laughs> because I didn't do the homework, because I was too cocky, too overconfident. And all that happened in my childhood where everybody was telling me how perfect I am. And so I never had, you know, any idea that hmm, maybe I, there's something else I need to learn in life. I, I, I'm this amazing person. I know everything. Right. And that led to me making a lot of mistakes uh, business-wise. Um, and so it was December 7th, Monday, 2009, when the bank called me. Uh, one of my companies was in real estate. And they told me, like, Miha, um, the 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 price that you paid to buy the land and 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 what you've put so far into the project you won't cover that because the prices because of that uh, financial crisis dropped so significantly you won't make a positive here uh and and they withdrew from the from the project they wanted their money back they had all the um you know um underwritings from me from all my companies to do that by themselves and uh, one day later, um, all my companies started going into bankruptcy uh, because there was, of course, not enough sufficient funds because that project was roughly around 50, 55 million US dollars. Mm-hmm. No, actually euros. So that would be around 60, 65 million US. Um, and uh, when when that happened, because... Um, at that time, I had everything interconnected. And, and uh, so when, when one domino fell, all other dominoes uh, went down as well. Right. And um, a few days later, around two, two, two weeks later, um, I ended up being without any, uh, any, any network, uh, any real estate, anything. And I mm. also ended up owing additional five million US dollars personally, wow. because I, you know, co-signed for some of the agreements as well. Um, and the sad part is that the bank got most of the money back. Uh, what happened was they took all the money from all my other companies because they had uh, in, in Europe we had this. Uh, it's almost like a bond. Uh, but when they present it to, to the bank where you have the bank account, they can just immediately take the money off. It kind of goes automatically. I don't know if you have something similar in the U.S. Um, um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So um, they had those bonds and, and they just uh, put them for uh, in, into the banks and, and they got the money. But I ended up owing money to what felt like half of my country. Because I was unable to pay last paychecks to my employees. I had 
over 80 employees at that time in all my companies. Um, I wasn't able to pay taxes. I wasn't able to pay suppliers, rents, nothing. So uh, the bank took everything and, and what was left was just a little bit, but then I was owing money to everybody else. That, that was the hard part because, you know, owing 5 million to, to just one bank would be much simpler than owing to private citizens. Right. Um, and so most of my days started me waking up to phone calls, uh, people calling me about the money, uh, wanting to get it back ASAP. Um, nobody understood my situation. I was trying to explain to everybody that this bad bank did this and that, and it was not my fault. And then, you know, all of that. And, uh, those calls were not nice calls at all. They were not like, oh, you know what? Uh, we're going to sue you. Um, right. Those were some real actual threats. What mm -hmm. will happen to me, my family, and so on. So um, an hour or even less later, I was already completely depressed, unable to focus. My mind was like a nuclear reactor full of uh, just, you know, all the thoughts from the conversations to what I need to do, how I will solve things, what happened to me, blaming the bank, the partners, the employees, this and that. And, and that, that went on for quite a few months. So then in 2010, um, the idea of suicide, because I was constantly depressed, anxious 24-7, under uh stress there was this darkness within me you know where you can't see any light on the other side of the tunnel right. there's just this long tunnel and you can't see if it ever ends if mm -hmm. it at any point will be any better um you stop dreaming you stop believing you stop setting goals S simple things like a friend invited me to, to his birthday party uh, three weeks from the day when he invited me and I was unable to answer because I didn't know if I'm going to still be alive then or not. Can I commit to that or not? Um, and so every time when I was in, in the car or walking down the street or things like that, you know, I would saw trucks and it was like oh my god if i just you know steer the wheel and left and, and bam and everything is gone so that idea kept creeping up kept creeping up and and the theory my theory at that time behind that was that yes it might hurt for a second but then mm -hmm. it's gone everything is gone that right. tunnel is gone that 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 nuclear reactor in my head is gone uh and I would finally have a little bit of peace and quiet in my head. Uh, so um, those ideas kept crapping, crapping in my head. And, and, and one, one uh, night, it was around 11 p.m., um, I was on my balcony. Um, the apartment was just to be taken away from me. Um, that was in the fifth floor. And I was, you know, uh, on the balcony smoking my cigarette, looking down 
and 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 I just started climbing on the other side of of the fence, mm-hmm. looking down. Um, and then my mom came to 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 my head to my head um because i already lost my father he died many years ago mm-hmm. um so my mom was the only living relative i had left and um by certain european laws a part of that debt could be transferred to her oh, wow. and it was not it was not you know I was not thinking about like what will she do if I die or or anything like that. It was just I, I I distinctly remember how I said to myself like, "You really messed up. You 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 messed up, and now mom will suffer because you failed because you made all those bad decisions. You you you." And and I said that out loud. Probably the whole neighborhood heard it. I, I don't know. Yeah, because you know it, it's it's very blurry that memory. But I distinctly remember that word "you" started ringing in my head, and it was an, an, a moment, a hard moment, a moment of epiphany. Because for the first time in my life, up to that point, I actually uh, took uh, blame for all the stupid decisions as well. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, I had this perfect childhood where everybody was telling me how amazing I am. So whenever something good happened to me, even if it was not because of me, it was just because the whole economy was booming in Eastern Europe at that time. But right. that was something that was I blamed on myself. I blamed myself for all the good things that happened to me, even mm-hmm. though they were not actually done by me. Right. But when it came to the bad things, because of all that from childhood, I was unable to process in my head that I could do something wrong. And and that was the first time I took charge and, and I stopped blaming. And, you know, like next moment, it was almost like this huge, huge, huge rock fell off my chest mm-hmm. because it was clear. If I, with all the stupidity, was able to come to 15 million network, imagine what I can do if I do things better this time. If I learn from this, if I change things, if I add knowledge, if I add people to the team, how amazing the new empire can be. Right. And that was so empowering. I stayed up all night. Of course, I climbed on the other side of the fence. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking right now. Right. Um, and I stayed up all night. I made this huge, huge, huge list of things. What I need to change, what I need to learn, what I need to do. And um, first thing in the morning, I started calling everybody before they started calling me. And I was like, you know, you know what? If if you want to see me dead, get your gun or whatever, or however you want to do it. This is my address. I'm here. Come here, do it. I honestly don't give a damn about it. I don't care. I really don't care. Just do it. I couldn't care less. But Mm -hmm. if you do want your money back, then 
you need to understand that when you call me every single morning, I go into such deep depression throughout the day that I'm unable to do anything. And it's right. not like I owe you guys a few thousand dollars and I can just get a job. After three months, I can get a simple loan and, and it's all gone. Right. I own freaking $5 million. I need to create an empire to repay that debt. Right. So you know that I already did it once. I realized what I did wrong. I can do it again. And you know what? Magical thing. They all were, they all agreed that I can call them once a month, give them an update. And all the rest of the time, they will just let me be and do my things. And that's when um, I started this journey of first self-development, personal development, and then later business development, because there were so many things uh, at my core, at foundation that were wrong, you know, and I needed to learn things like mindfulness, like emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. and not just learn them, but, you know, those soft skills, you can't just learn them, learn them and apply them. You need to practice them before you can really apply them in the right way. And it takes time. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy as learning, I don't know, um, how to set up the algorithm for Facebook ads. Right. Um, so so, so it, it was quite a journey. But then fast forward to 2014, um, I started a company, a startup, energy efficiency startup, which means helping big corporations to save money on electricity and gas. Mm-hmm. And with all this added knowledge, I scaled that company from zero to almost $50 million a month in revenue in less than a year. Wow. Um, and uh, two years later, it was a takeover by a um, Fortune 100 company. That's mm-hmm. why I can't speak too much about it because it was a technology takeover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was able to repay what ended up being almost $7 million because of the interest and the lawsuits and all of that. So almost $7 million. And uh, in the meantime, I became fail coach. And that happened like really very, very uh, unexpectedly. I, I had a beer, a few beers with a friend and we were talking and I, you know, like a lot of companies from Eastern Europe were already contacting me because they heard about the story of scaling and, and the losses and all of that. And mm-hmm. uh, they wanted me to help them. And, and this friend of mine, he said, well, why don't you do that? Like as your job, why don't you become a consultant, a coach, a mentor, advisor, whatever you want to call that. And then, you know, like, how would you brand it? And we were talking about it. And, and he, he said, he said, well, you know what? You learn everything the hard way through a lot of trial and error and, mm-hmm. and a lot of personal failure. I think it's only appropriate for you to be a fail coach. And, and I loved it. And after that, Every single marketing guru and branding guru told me not to go that way. People don't want <laughs> a fail coach. They want a success coach and all mm-hmm. of that. Uh, but I just went with it. And, and, you know, the thing is that I don't see failure and success as two opposites. I see them as just two sides of the same coin. 
And mm-hmm. you need to develop healthy relationship with failure because failure is a part of our daily life and, and for entrepreneurs even more because an entrepreneur, if you want to become a successful entrepreneur, you have to do things that you haven't done before, which mm-hmm. means doing new things. When you do something for the first time, there is a good chance that you won't succeed. So mm-hmm. you will fail. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes we have little small failures and sometimes the failures are much bigger. But the thing is, um, it's, it's, you can't run away. You can't hide from failure because if you do that, then you really fail because you will not move forward. You will just stay in your comfort zone and you will never, like what all the entrepreneurs want. They want freedom. And they mm-hmm. want to uh, make an impact or leave a legacy. You can't do that in your comfort zone. That's so absolutely true. Yeah, we we, we have to in, go through a lot of failure. We we want it or not. So you will anyway go through a lot of failure. So you better develop a good emotional relationship with failure because it's all about the emotions. You got to learn how to do it. <clears throat> yeah <laughs> yeah you gotta learn how to do it and yeah. uh and and do it a lot <laughs> yeah so um you know like almost like i have a friend of mine she is uh in jiu-jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu and mm-hmm. she said one thing she learned there is to become comfortable with being uncomfortable right and and that's all to do with um failure so what do you think were uh, some of the key components for you to be able to build the new business when you went to the, when you went over to North America, what do you think the key differences between, you know, that original failure and wanting to do something new? Obviously you had this motivation to make sure that your mother wasn't stuck with the bill and that you started to take personal accountability for everything that was going on. You took a proactive approach into sort of building a new life and and having a second life as it were. So what do you think some of the key sort of business wise um, key changes that you've made to make sure that this new venture was a success, was a little bit more, you know, you're a little bit more prepared to not, um, to not fail so hard. (laughs) Um, I mean, There is gazillion of things because I did everything differently, right. you know, like from managing cash flow to how you uh, do partnerships to how you assemble a team, um, how you lead them, everything. Like I did everything differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the key takeaway is that I was able to reflect on the past, learn from the past. Mm-hmm. then see, be humble enough to see and recognize where I lack knowledge and either find somebody to do that for me or learn something about or, or find a mentor, a coach or whatever for that particular subject to mm-hmm. help me. Just um, like one, one thing uh, to give you as an example. So in the past, I was creating a lot of partnerships in my ex-companies. And all those partnerships were based on the current need. Almost like when we employ people, we, we say, oh, I need a copywriter. Mm-hmm. And you go and you find a copywriter. You should never go for the needs or the skills 
if there are not the values that connect you. Mm-hmm. You should always put values first because skills can be learned. Money can be found. Um, the problem was that all those partnerships started from, from the point of need. They needed somebody to invest money into. I needed their money, for example. Right. And, and it works for the first six months, 10 months. It's almost like a relationship, you know, like right. butterflies in the beginning. You don't <laughs> see the, the little things. Mm-hmm. And then when, when things, you know, go okay and, and everything starts settling in, then those differences become bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, quite a few things in, in my past were ruined because I wasn't approaching building relationships in the right way. Right. Um, but like, this is just one of the things. And then managing cash flow, uh, managing people, um, emotional intelligence, because, you know, as a leader, you need to be very, very, very well versed in, in um, when to use logic, when to use emotions. For example, when you create a company that comes from the heart, because if you're passionate about something, that will give you that added kick. That will give you that motivation when times are tough. But you need the logic to create a business plan. And then, again, you need emotions to lead people, clients, partners, workers mm-hmm. towards that mission, that goal. But for daily operations, they need to be executed logically. Right. So, so emotional intelligence is one of the key things plus mindfulness because what mindfulness does, in my opinion, not mindful meditation, but just being mindful throughout the day mm-hmm. is you can recognize a situation, step away from it before you react, look at the past, say, oh, something similar happened to me. I reacted or did this, something unwanted happened. At least I can try something different this time. Right. Um, so, so those, I would say, are the, the key takeaways. Be, um, you know, humble enough to recognize and learn from the past. Um, take control of the pluses and the minuses. I mean, take responsibility for the pluses and the minuses mm-hmm. and then uh, learning and practicing emotional intelligence and mindfulness. So what do you think um, <clears throat> some of the, what do you think some of the signs may be where someone needs to separate persistence of an idea versus an actual failure, meaning you have to move on from something and try something completely different. Are you dealing with people who are, are, are kind of both on, on both sides of that track, as it were? Like, are you dealing with, some, with people who need to quit and do something completely different? You need to yes. move on from the failure? And um, like, what, what would be the difference between like someone needing to do that versus someone just needing to try again? Um, it's, it's, this, 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 yeah, this is a logical thing. Um, right. I, walked, I walked them through the business development steps which is basically, I, I use lean business development approach. 
Um, mm-hmm. So we basically just go through the, all the steps that are crucial in every business plan. Um, and so that they can logically see what's working, what's not working. Because when right. we have things just in our head, you know, separate areas might make sense. But when you put them together, they don't. But in your head, you can't put so many different areas together and see that whole big picture. So right. we put everything on paper. We do a mind map. We put together all the key areas. We go through them and we see where there is something that's not working. Um, and, then, and then depending on what that business development plan shows, it's either maybe time to say, you know what, um, it's better to start something anew because this is too messed up and will require too much effort and resources. And it's still too risky uh, because there are so many unknowns in the equation. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just see that there are just a few things that needed to be polished and, and things. I, I do a lot of restructuring with companies. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're like, they, they're making millions, but the cash flow is not there. They're right. losing money. And, you know, we do, uh, me and my team, we go in, we do due diligence, we break the whole structure apart, and then we tell them, if you want to make this successful, you have to do this and this and this and this. If you don't do that, it's better to close it now than to suffer even greater loss later on. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from your own personal experience of having that major first failure to, you know, help people avoid having to do that, <laughs> having to face that themselves. Um, that- I, I think that the biggest thing is that I really went through so much failures in my life mm-hmm. that up today, and I worked with um, over 150 companies and with over 1,000 to 300 entrepreneurs so far. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't found a single story where I was not able to find something very similar in my past where I failed. Mm-hmm. And I can basically show them the, the, uh, the, the, the remainder of the picture. So, okay, this is happening to you. Um, you are not doing this. This and this will happen. And, and once you put things into perspective, um, they, they, they see what's going on. They see what will play out and they're more inclined to start listening. I think that when I tell them about all my failures and how I lost all those millions, mm-hmm. that gives the added credibility. Right. So if I would just be pretending all about the successes, but forgetting to tell the failure part, it's actually the failure that gets them interested to working with me because they know that I've seen the other side. Yeah, and Americans in particular don't like a phony. We don't we don't like dealing with anyone who's lying to us uh in any kind of way. So I think you're you're certainly um naturally appealing to people in that way. I, I love the notion that you are using fail as you know, you're a fail coach. I, I love that because it gets to the core of a lot of people's problems and that is the inability to work through failure or the dis or the or the, the, the fear of facing that unknown that comes with failure. Because typically it's not even about failure. And you can tell me if this is right or wrong, but it's not about failure. It's about what the unknown that exists beyond the failure actually is. 
um, you know, being, being so scared of what failure will bring them is typically what will stop a lot of people in their tracks. Would you say that's true? Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly uh, how it is. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this kind of when you, so when you started telling me the numbers about you lost so much money, um, it made me think about all of the all of the kids in the United States uh, that are dealing with massive student loan debt, you know, hundreds um, of thousands of dollars, and dealing with um, having to make a financial decision based on what their parents wanted for them when they were 19 years old. I'm one of those people. So I, uh, I, I find that it cripples a lot of my generation. It, it makes us feel like we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. Um, or, or we ignore it and, you know, just buy a latte and, and you know, put ourselves into a place where we're, um, sort of ignoring it and trying our best to just kind of live our life and like ignore that it's a thing and not actually work towards uh, fixing it. Um, have you thought about this problem? Do you, do you, have you, um, have you thought about ways that like, you know, kids of my generation that have spent too much on student loan debt can start to think about, you know, tackling that debt. I know like, for example, one of the things you said is that you started to become proactive and you started to actually, uh, address the issue. You started telling them instead of calling me every day, call me once a month and let me work towards fixing it. Um, so is there any kind of advice like that that you would give to kids of my generation that are dealing with, uh, I say kids, we're like 35 now, um, but uh, kids of my generation that have been dealing with this debt for a very long time and don't see an end in sight? Um, first of all, I just want to say Yes, my numbers are huge. And I know that those numbers usually get me very easy on stages and so on. But right. it's not about the numbers. Right. I've, I've talked with people who lost just a fraction of what I did, just maybe a few thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. The emotions were the same. The negative self-talk was the same. So, so it's really not about the numbers. Right. But on the other hand, if we, if we, if we use those numbers... If I was able to climb out of 5 million debt, which rose almost to 7 million, then of course anybody can climb out of a few hundred thousand or a few tens of thousands. Right. Um, and, but but it's, it's, it's basically just a decision and then you need to follow it through. Um, I, I, I know uh, this may sound harsh, but um, mm. people who constantly find ways to make excuses will never make it. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to make it, you need to take action. And the, the bigger the thing that you want to achieve, the more massive action you need to take. The more out of your comfort zone you need to put yourself. I mean, in all honesty, um, I helped people in Eastern Europe just a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 a girl called me. She used to be my VA for uh, some of the things I needed uh, on, on LinkedIn. And she's from Eastern Europe. She worked at a, uh, a job that gave her like 500 euros a month, which is 600 US dollars a month, uh, which in Eastern Europe is, is not, uh, not, not a small salary because here most people make two, $300 a month. Mm -hmm. um, and she started doing things for herself in August. And she called me two weeks ago and she told me that she already has 
11 clients paying her $2,000 a month. Wow. And she already has a team of three people uh, from her job, uh, her, her, her uh, uh, colleagues from the job working now for her um, to deliver things to those clients. I mean, if she was able to make that, I mean, honestly, who can't? Um, and, and right. you know, through, through some of the programs that I do, um, we go to 10, 15, 20K a month in, in, in uh, profits, not in revenue, because revenue doesn't mean a lot. It's, it's what you take back home that, that's important. In, in three to six months, anybody can make 10, 15, 20K a month. Anybody. I, mm -hmm. I can guarantee you. Uh, but you need, to, you need to sit down. You need to do your homework. You need to do a little bit of business development. And, and because, you know, the thing is, uh, most of the time we have this problem called infobesity. There is just too much information out there. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. And, you know, a, a, another client of mine told me this story. He said, Mika, you know what you gave me? Um, I, I, as an entrepreneur, I get ideas all the time. And it's almost like going to a supermarket and buying that jigsaw puzzle box. And you see the picture, you know, that little picture, what should come out when you put the puzzle pieces together. Mm -hmm. And you say, hmm, sounds interesting. And then you come home and your kid takes the box and just drops everything on the floor and it's all scattered around. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what you do with business development is you put those puzzle pieces together. You, you, you create that framework around your idea so that you can get to the big picture. And once you have the big picture, you can actually create action steps. And what I do with my clients is we set a yearly goal and then we set quarterly milestones and then we weekly create weekly action plan. And so every week, once a week, they have a bit of reflection of the past week, what worked, what didn't work, because there's still a lot of trial and error, even when mm -hmm. you do your homework, much mm -hmm. less, but still some. And, and, and prepare an action plan for next week. And this is what I'm doing as well. So I'm not teaching anybody anything that I'm not doing myself. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's something that just really works. Um, so, so business is not complicated. We complicate it because we go into overthinking about all the things that might be and, and could be and would be and should be instead of focusing on what really matters. Create a plan. If you don't know how, there is a lot of help out there. You have books, you have courses, you have coaches, you have mentors. Of course, find a good one. A good one meaning somebody who has duplicated things over and over and over again, not somebody who just once tried the funnel, was lucky with it, and, and they succeeded. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and then uh, just create an action plan and do it. And like I said, what you will do should come from the heart. You should be passionate about it. The, a lot of people come to me and say, Miha, what is a profitable business? And I tell them, you know what? Everything can be a profitable business. I mean, there is this guy on Fiverr. I, I, I know about him because somebody bought a video from him for my birthday. Um, mm -hmm. An old guy 
almost looks like Father Christmas, you know, with that white beard <laughs> and, and chubby face. Um, and and he, what he does is he takes a banana, puts it on his ear like a phone, and he says something like, oh, Miha, happy birthday, ha, 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 from your friends. And, and, and he sells that video for, I think, $20. <laughs> and he has several thousand uh, uh, this, um, reviews. You can't mm-hmm. leave a review on Fiverr if you haven't bought it. Now multiply that with, with, with $20, several thousand times $20. I mean, right. honestly, you can do business out of everything. Just a few days ago, I'm playing this um, game on my iPad. I don't know what it's even called. It's, it's like a strategy game and there's a lot of chatting. And then this young boy who teaches us old farts how to play the game because we have no clue what to do, what to upgrade and, and who to attack and things like that. And I told mm-hmm. him, like, I said, dude, you should totally do a webinar for all of us. Do some um, um, video uh, casting of your screen and you could totally sell this to us for, I don't know, $49 or, or $97. I mean, I would buy it. I mean, right. I, I, we are already buying all these upgrade packs just to speed up the process. So it's not like we don't spend money for that stupid game. Um, <laughs> why wouldn't we pay another 50 bucks for somebody to walk us through and show us the videos? So, you know, like just take something that you are passionate about, something that you're already good at. Everybody is good at something. Ask yours, like just reflect what are people usually turning to me for what kind of advice are they seeking from me? maybe that's your zone of genius and yeah. who do i love working with i mean who are people that i would love talking to every single day take that ask them be a human being have conversations ask them what are your struggles what are your desires and bam you have a product something that solves the struggle brings the desire Maybe you can't produce that product. Maybe you can't offer that service. But maybe there's somebody who's already fulfilling that need, but your people just don't know about that person. Be the middleman. Take a commission. I had one lady from Slovenia. She wanted to start a company as a a marketing agency, but just a local Slovenian marketing agency. But she had no clue about marketing. She was Mm -hmm. good at networking. She found freelancers. We did the business plan. She found freelancers actually leveraged on their past work. And they were okay with that because they didn't have to hustle with finding clients. So it was a win-win for, and she was just taking 20%. I mean, she was adding 20% over their prices. And and Mm -hmm. she built the whole rooster of them, like, you know, Facebook ads guy, Google ad guy, designer, web designer, and so on. And she was offering a turnkey solution. You know what? Companies with 10, 20 employees, they don't want to deal with 10 freelancers. They much prefer paying a bit more to deal with one person, and that Mm -hmm. one person manages all the freelancers for them. Right. And she was able to substitute her really well-paid corporate job paycheck within four months. That's fantastic. Going to meetups. 
Right. And then sometimes testing the market, you have to find out what things cost, um, what people will pay for the thing. Like there's, there's a lot of complicated steps, but really the, or really simple steps. But like at the end of the day, it's about feeling like you, like it's even possible. And I think we start, or you tell ourselves this notion that it's impossible. It's impossible to pay this student loan debt. It's impossible to pay $15 million that we owe to someone. It's impossible to, to, to sell buttons. It's impossible to dress like Santa Claus and talk into a, <laughs> talk into a banana and sell that for $20. We, we yeah. sell ourselves that that's impossible without even trying it, without even testing yeah. it. Because we fear that failure that we've basically yeah. been talking about this whole time. So, I mean, I know that I've had that issue um, all throughout my life. I know I've had plenty of difficulties. But then there's also sometimes having to face the reality that something's not going to work. And, I, you know, I feel that way about um, sometimes, like, I'm not the most, you know, people person. I, I don't, I, I get exhausted by people quite a bit. And I know there are plenty of people who do also. But sometimes making that adjustment to how you communicate with someone or the type of people that you communicate with can actually help you create, you know, better relationships as well. But Christian. Yeah. You can find a partner. You have a lot of salespeople who work on commission. Exactly. You can, you can substitute that with, you know, like, I mean, in all honesty, being an entrepreneur uh, is really not about you doing everything. Right. Yes, you have to do a lot in the beginning because most of the time people who start entrepreneurial journey don't have the resources to start like an entrepreneur from day one. So they need to build those resources. To But then it's about OPM and OPT, other people's money, other people's time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, how will you achieve the freedom? You know how many successful entrepreneurs uh, come to me who are doing seven, eight figures a year or even a month, uh, but they're working more and more and more. And right. they have the freedom of money, but they have zero freedom of time. And they are exhausted. They are, they are cra going crazy. They, they feel trapped by their own company, by their own creation. Um, because the freedom of money is the easiest one to achieve. Freedom of time learning to let go almost like um you know you have kids uh uh when they will be 18 19 when they have to leave home mm -hmm. you will have to learn how to let go right and that's the same with your company the mm -hmm. sooner you learn how to delegate how to create a team how to you know let go a little bit of that and how done is better than perfect um, the sooner you learn that, the better, the, the sooner you will be a true entrepreneur. And only once you achieve freedom of time and money, that's when you can start making an impact because you're free to do whatever you want. And usually when we have that financial and time freedom, that's when we start really doing what's, you know, truly within us. And that's when we start making that huge, huge impact. That's a perfect way to end it. That's so good. You've been absolutely amazing on this episode. Thank you, Miha, for being here. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how we can um, find you and get a hold of uh, uh, you as a fail coach and where we can, we can talk to you and learn about your stuff? Well, the easiest way is to just go to my website, fail.coach. Um, so that's the easiest. If you, you have there 
uh, work with me, my story, things like that, a few blog posts and so on. Uh, mm-hmm. And then another thing, which is a good free resource, is I actually created and, and uh, I'm having like wonderful reviews already from people who already took it, a free course delivered via my chatbot on Facebook. It's 12-day course with a template on how to do business development for people just starting out. Of oh. course, it's, it's, you know, it's a free course, but I, I really, uh, giving value is the biggest value that I live by. So uh, even if it's free, I, 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 I wouldn't put it out if, it, if I wouldn't believe that anybody can follow it Anybody can do uh, fill the template out and, and, and get that clarity that you need at the end of that. Because many of the ones who went through it said, like, you're stupid for doing this for free. But, you know, I have my own reasons why I'm doing it that way. It's, it's my way, in a way, to, to give back to the entrepreneurial community. Yeah, you've already done amazing uh, work on this podcast as it as it is. I've seen you talk on Facebook. I've seen you share your story. I think that you're amazing for everything that you've gone through. I think that you're amazing for distilling it into um, a simple, understandable idea, and um, you know, realizing that being there for people and helping them grow is going to be good for everyone. And, um, I, I think your, your story, your message and everything that you're doing is amazing. And, uh, you guys should definitely go to fail.coach and check out his work and, uh, and, and check out his free, uh, chatbot course. That would be, uh, incredible. I'm going to go do that too. I think that'll be fun. <laughs> well, thank you. And you know, Christian, like I really love what you're doing. Um, you know, the, the mental health and all of that, it, it's super important. It's becoming more and more important in today's society. We have so many social apps and social networks, but people are more and more lonely. They, they suffer more and more of those mental illnesses and, and, and things like that. So the work you do with, with your podcast and, and otherwise as well, I, I always follow you on Facebook. Um, is is truly remarkable, truly amazing, and something that's super needed in in today's society. Thank you so much. That 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 really helps me to continue to do this. Um, I do it for my story, and uh, I want to help people. So, um, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And for those of you listening, if you really loved Miha's story, again, go to fail coach, and you can also uh, leave a rating and review on this show. And it would be absolutely great if you're. You know, you know someone in your life that is dealing with uh, uh, not handling failure very well, or they're not sure where to go based on a lot of difficulties, or they've had a massive failure and they don't know where to go next. Send them this episode and uh, feel free to call in and ask a question. Maybe we can get Miha on here again if there's enough questions and we can do another episode. And, um, you know, this has been great. So thank you again, Miha, for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It was lovely uh, having this chat with you. All right. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on Dopamine. See you guys. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.